0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open, midday, and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Well, happy Friday, all you options actions fan. Melissa's getting a well-deserved day off. I'm Brian Sullivan in for Mel, and we've got a great show ahead for you as always. Here is what's on deck
2: with Costco earnings next week. You might think it's another good time to load up on all consumer staple stocks, but just like that time you bought that barrel of cheese balls. The move could leave you with a stomach ache.
3: Exactly how clever Carter
2: worth explains plus. And there's a lot of potential here. Tony Zhang points out why now could be a good time to dig into Caterpillar. And that's no bull, dozer. And Professor Mike Coe. So this is an interesting situation. Is running through dueling options exercises on how to play Nike going into next week's earnings. So if you already own the stock or not, you can just do it. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now.
1: Yes, it does, everybody, and welcome. You know, I love doing the show, but I got to take an issue with that deep voice guy. He said barrel of cheese balls like it's a bad thing really come on well it has been a maybe not bad but tougher year for the consumer space the xlp consumer staples etf is up but over just a one percent and so it's underperforming the broader market and as chart master carter worth a man who maybe has seen a barrel of cheese balls in his day says there could be an even bigger consumer crackdown ahead so carter what are the charts telling you
3: So a bunch of things going on. One thing to consider before we get to the charts, of course, is that the dollar, which has been very, very weak, has started to stabilize. And second only to technology, the staple sector is very dependent on foreign sales. So were there to be any strength in the dollar, that is a headwind. But there are a lot of things going on in terms of pull forward. We know much selling has been done as people stockpile things for COVID, and a lot of that pull forward is likely at an end. In any event, a few charts, the first of several. The first, here is the XLP, the ETF that you can trade. And you'll see there I've drawn a small head and shoulders top that's formed in this particular chart. Now, if you look at the next chart, I've kept the head and shoulders top, and I've also included the trend line in effect since the March low. So now we have two circumstances. We have a formation, a reversal formation, head and shoulders top, and we have a break of the trend that's been in effect since the March low. Third chart, another way to consider the facts. This is now uh, a line across the top connecting the January-February peak pre-pandemic. What we know is the XLP did break out, but now it's fallen back below the level from which it broke out. And then take a look at one more chart before we get to a table or two. This is the head and shoulders top in relation to the line drawn along the pandemic peak before the sell-off. So sort of any way you splice it and dice it, we have distribution and it looks like there's more to go. Two more things. Now take a look at this table. One thing we know about the sector is while it's 34 stocks, the top five stocks are 52% of the sector. So it's highly concentrated in a handful of names and you see those very prominent names there. Procter, Coke, Walmart, Pepsi, Mondelez. So the final chart, this is a comparative chart year to date of the sector as we know it, XLP versus uh, the equal weight sector. And what's starting to happen is a divergence that is typically foreshadowing negativity. In any event, we, we want to be cautious here. We're sellers of consumer staples, the vehicle XLP.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Mike, my, my, my colleague and or former colleague and good friend Herb Greenberg always used to say, know what you own. And he's so true because you're buying five stocks. You think you're exposed sort of, you know, You've got good exposure, a lot of names. You really don't. What is the trade here, if any, on the consumer and the XLP?
4: Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really good point. And actually, when you start taking a look at the sector, you recognize that if the same thing that carried this whole group higher is a is a handful of names, then presumably it's the same thing that could cause some weakness for the sector overall. So when we take a look at XLP, the ETF. One of the things you'll observe is that, first of all, consumer staples typically are not high beta, not high volatility stocks. And when you group a bunch of them together, like you do in an ETF or an index like this, the volatility tends to be even lower. That said, XLP right now has an implied volatility of about 20 percent. That's nearly double what it was at the tail end of last year. Obviously, we understand that given the current market conditions. The other thing I would point out is that this isn't exactly a high growing sector either. And if we take a look at the multiples, you might say in some areas, 23 times earnings isn't that expensive. But for this sector, over the course of the last 10 years, that's pretty close to the peak valuations that you've been seeing. Recognizing that you have higher implied volatility, recognizing that you have higher than average valuations for the entire sector, and also recognizing that there's a lot of volatility baked into the election right now. I'm looking out to November. I was looking specifically at the XLT 6359 put spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, you could buy that $4 put spread for about a dollar five net, paying $1.75 for the 63s, and then selling the other ones against it for about 70 cents. So that is just over a quarter of the width uh, between the strikes. That's usually the kind of risk reward that we like for strategies like this. Mm-hmm. The 63 strike put that we're buying is very close to at the money.
1: Tony and max profit 295, max loss a buck oh five are you happy with that width? Are you happy with that spread? Would you do this trade?
5: Yeah, I actually had to do a double take when I looked at this because Mike is only risking 1.6% of the ETS value to take this bearish bet, paying that three to one risk or reward ratio. That's an extremely low amount of capital to be risking as a percentage of the underlying ETS value. And I particularly like the directional view of this trade. You have a breakdown of XLP in that head and shoulders pattern that Carter laid out but if you look at the individual constituents Procter & Gamble making up 17 percent of this index is really the only stock that's holding up this index and then you look at Coca-Cola 10 percent relatively weak relative relative stock Look at Pepsi, broke below 135, which is the 200-day moving average, 10% of the uh, index. You look at Costco, topping formation, 5% of the index. So you have a lot of these constituents that are starting to break down. And I think I, I really like this trade. And I especially like the fact that Mike is risking a very small percentage.
1: All right, there you go, Mike. You're getting a boost there from Tony. All right, meantime, check out the industrials. They've kind of been, you know, quietly chugging higher over the last month, despite some choppy trading along with the rest of the market though. So now is it time to get in on the action. If you ask Tony, he'll tell you
5: he's got cat scratch fever. So I want to take a look at playing a bit of defense here as the markets again, a little soft and we see rotation out of technology into two sectors, industrials and mining. So I have a few charts to share. The first one I have is XLI, the industrials ETF, and I have a chart of industrials relative to the S&P 500. Now we know that this is a sector that has been underperforming the market for multiple years, but since the March lows, it's been putting in this bottoming formation. And just today, it recently broke out above that bottoming formation and the 200-day moving average. And what this signals to me is a potential end to this underperformance for industrials and potentially start to see a rotation into this sector. The other sector I wanted to take a look at is XME, which is the metals and mining ETF. This is a sector that also is providing a lot of defense here. When the markets are down about 1% here today, this sector is up about half a percent. So not only is this stock recently breaking out um, from an absolute basis above that $25 level which is a line in the sand that's been in place since 2008 uh t- 2018 rather but if you look at XME relative to the to the S&P 500 we have the same bottoming formation as we saw in industrial since the March lows it's recently broken out above that bottoming formation similar to XLI so we have the confluences of both sectors which caterpillar happens to sit at the intersection of both industrials And mining so I really like to take a look at Caterpillar recently breaking out above that 150 level which happens to be the November 2019 highs recently came back to retest that as support and I think that this is a a potential continuation higher here for a name like Caterpillar especially if you couple with the fact that this is a stock that's trading at a fairly reasonable 28 times forward earnings it's got a very stable dividend that's fairly covered it's fairly um, well covered by operating cash flows so this is the type of stock that I'm I'm looking to play defense in this type of weaker market. So due to the weak market here i have a relatively neutral outlook here on caterpillar in the short run but long term i have a much more bullish view here for caterpillar so the trade structure that i want to use is a call diagonal i'm going out to the october december 155 160 call diagonal i'm going out to december paying about ten dollars and thirty cents for that 155 call and i'm selling an october 160 call against it collecting about three dollars and fifteen cents net net here i'm paying about seven dollars and fifteen cents for this call diagonal which risks just a little bit under uh, just a little bit over four percent of the underlying stock price and i specifically got a little bit more aggressive on that october call selling that 160 call because i am short-term fairly neutral on this stock and i want to collect as much premium as possible here that october 160 call offsets about one-third of the cost of those december 155 calls i'm looking to have those roll off sell another one in October in November and preferably another one in in December and really offset the cost of these long calls.
1: Mike, are you happy with, with, it's a fairly, it seems fairly complex. Are you happy with the risk profile in Tony's trade?
4: Yeah, I mean, it could seem, whenever you start dealing with spreads of different expirations and different strikes, it might seem complicated, but it is really pretty basic. I mean, we often take a look at vertical spreads. You might buy the 155s and sell the 160s, and we often look at calendars. You might sell a 155 strike call near-dated and buy a longer-dated one. This basically combines the benefits of both of those. One of the things that I think is pretty interesting about selling the October calls is that right now implied volatility is pretty high across the term structure. That includes the October options, which are about 31% implied volatility. volatility, only slightly below the longer dated ones which capture the election and also earnings, which takes place on October 27th. He's selling an option that expires before all of that. So he's actually collecting a meaningful amount of premium, given that the next major catalyst for the stock actually isn't captured by the option. He's short, but it is captured by the option that he's long. So that's the kind of structure that we like to see, especially when the term structure is relatively flat like the one that we have right now. So I think the the this particular trade structure makes a lot of sense. Carter, what's your take?
3: Well, there are two things that are uh, so important here, and and Tony's really touched on them. First of all, CAT has been a big laggard, so either that's an opportunity or a trap. But once you start to get the good relative strength that CAT is showing on a week-over-week basis as the market stumbles, that confirms that a laggard coming to life is something that's likely to continue to come to life. And second... Its correlation with John Deere on a three, five-year basis is as high as 75, 80%. John Deere has broken out to big new all-time highs. I think Caterpillar is likely to do the same.
1: All right, maybe a new all-time high for Caterpillar. Carter likes the charts. Tony's got the trade. And remember, for everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cbc.com. And by the way, while you're there, I'm told you can sign up for the newsletter. In the meantime, on the television, Here's what's coming up next.
2: Professor Mike Coe goes for a walk in two types of investor's shoes to game out how to play Nike's earnings next week. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open, midday, and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Adinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, welcome back to Options Action. Hope you're having a great Friday, everybody, wherever in the world that you may be. Well, if the market is, it's still a question, if the market is rotating out of big tech. What might it rotate into? Cyclicals, the consumer, small caps, Bitcoin, gold, lean hogs. Where should you place your bets? Those are questions. It seems like every investor has right now. But luckily, Mike has got some answers and he's got two different ways you can lace up your trading boots and do just that. He's here now with the call to action. Mike, what do you got?
4: Yeah. So we're taking a look at Nike. I mean, obviously, Nike has been doing a lot of things right. And probably a lot of people who are watching right now may indeed hold the stock. They've been continuing to innovate. Their move to digital has been very effective. But I think there are some things to be aware of as we approach earnings, which are taking place next week. The first thing is the stock is essentially trading at all time highs. And it is also trading at essentially all time peak Valuations, And as we go into earnings, this is a stock that has typically moved about 4.7% over the last eight quarters or so. Right now, the options market is implying significantly bigger moves, 7.3% or so. So how, if you own the stock, are you going to take advantage of the fact that the options premiums are high and the valuation and the stock price are also high? And it's really one of the most basic strategies that we encourage for people who are just starting out with options, and that is to sell covered calls. If you own Nike stock, Right now, you could take a look at selling some calls in October. I was specifically looking, and you could sell some calls for about $3.60, the 120 strike calls in October. And when you do that, you're basically taking advantage of the fact that the options premiums are elevated, and you're going to collect that premium, and you still have a little bit of upside. Right now, the stock was trading just under $115, so you still have $5 worth of upside plus the $3.60 mm. that you collected. So you still have. Plenty of potential upside if the stock should continue to rally. If the stock just sits here, then you're just going to collect that. And obviously, it creates a little bit of a buffer to the downside. What do you do if you don't own the stock? Can you take advantage of it as well? Well, you can still sell the October 120 calls and still collect the $3.60. But we don't recommend selling calls naked, which is what that would be. So instead, what you can then do is buy the 125 calls against it. Those cost about $2.00. Net-net, you're going to be taking in $1.60. That's nearly a third of the distance between the strikes. Again, that's the kind of math that we're looking for, trying to take advantage of the fact that the stock may run into some near-term resistance, trying to take advantage of the fact that options are trading at implied volatilities. This is a way you can take a look at catalysts like this, take a look at valuations like these, take a look at stock prices that are elevated like this, and try to collect a little bit of premium. Well,
1: Tony, comment from one side of that trade. Either come at it from somebody that owns Nike and will do the covered call, or the second trade where you don't. Is there one of those that you would, if you had to pick one,
5: that you would prefer? So the one that you choose is based on whether or not you own that stock. So if you own that stock, you would definitely sell the cover call. what I specifically like about Mike's trade here is the high implied volatility. You're collecting 3% static yield on this cover call, which still giving you about $5 upside. That's rare for a big name stock like for Nike to be able to collect that amount of premium. That gives you a fair amount of downside buffer on this earnings report. On that credit spread that Mike suggested, that 120-125 credit spread, that credit spread is about four percent out of the money and he's still able to collect one-third of the width that that sets you up for a very high probability fairly decent risk-to-reward credit spread to be selling and if you look at nike going into earnings we have consumer discretionary showing a little bit of weakness here the xly recently just broke below that 145 level but the stock that i really want to point investors to is lululemon recently just last week reported earnings beat on both top and bottom line and the stock is down 16 percent now, granted, Nike did not is not as overextended as Lulu, so I don't expect such a significant move to the downside. But I think there's a fair amount of risk here. And I like Mike's trade because he's collecting a lot of premium on Nike. Chartmaster, how does the NKE chart look to you?
3: Sure, and we might have a uh, chart here to pull up. What we know is it's a fairly conventional setup in terms of The stock broke out you can see the authority of the 105 level that's the pre-pandemic high it's the june high from which it backed away and then finally in textbook fashion exceeded those highs but after basically printing a 15 percent gain you often will fall back to the level from which you broke out and so you can see the hooking over the rolling over now i think we're going lower and i think taking measures like this if one is already long makes sense or putting on The strategy that uh, Mike has outlined. If you're not long, looking to collect premium.
1: All right, good stuff there on Nike in a trade, especially if you own the stock and maybe you're getting a little bit nervous about that run. Right up next, speaking of a run, shares of GM up more than three percent this week. We'll tell you why that's great news for one of your traders. Plus, we're taking some of your tweets. You can always send us your questions at Options Action on the Twitter. We'll get to a couple of them, throw them up on the air with some commentary as well. we are back with Options Action, right after this.
2: Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A Commodities Outlook, what's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector. Carl Kentania, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers, today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.
1: All right. Welcome back to Options Action. Time now, as we are want to do, to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Now, last week, Mike said that opportunity was calling in Verizon.
4: AT&T and Verizon. AT&T right now has a dividend yield north of 7%. And Verizon's dividend yield is north of 4%. All of that, while a 10-year treasury is going to yield you about 0.66%. Options obviously don't pay dividends but the price of dividends is incorporated in them. So using an investment strategy similar to the one that Tony was using on GM, I think if you're looking at Verizon, you could look at selling the October 60 puts. When I was looking at those earlier today, you could collect about $1.80 for those. All right. So, Mike, it
1: looks like the trade has made some money. What are you doing now? Sticking it out, cashing in?
4: Yeah, I think we could stick it out here. The puts that we sold for about $1.80, you could could have bought those back for about a dollar and a quarter. But really, this is more of an investment strategy, not so much a trading strategy. We're comfortable getting long the stock at that $60 strike price, and we still have a decent amount of premium relative to the stock price to collect before October expiration, which isn't that far away. So I think if you're still short these, you can be comfortable with that.
1: All right. Meantime, Tony said that GM shares, they could be about to take off.
5: Watch this. The stock itself has really underperformed the market for multiple years, but it recently put in a bit of a bottoming formation and recently broke out above that $30 resistance level on the news of this deal. It recently obviously retreated back on the short seller piece back to that $30 support level, but that's actually the uh, the attractiveness that I see for a long opportunity here, the fact that $30 has held. The trade structure I'm using here is going out to October, and I'm selling the $30 put options. That's collecting earlier today about $1.55. That actually represents a little over 5% of the underlying stock price. All
1: right. So, Tony, if the viewers did your trade, they made about 3%, pretty good in a short amount of time. So what's the plan now?
5: Yeah, so GM is still a stock that I like for the long run. These short puts are not meant, as Mike said, as a trading strategy. These are more as an investment strategy. So I would hold on to these puts. You've made about 2% of the underlying stock price as a result of collecting premium. If you really want to own this stock, you can potentially roll it up to the 31 puts, collecting another about $1.20 or so. That increases your probability of owning the shares for the long run. All right. Up next, it is some of your tweets
1: and your final calls. This is Options Action. We'll see you back in two minutes with that. Stick around. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Time now to take your, well, tweet, because we have time for one. And one viewer asked this, despite the tech pullback, and specifically the SMH semiconductor ETF falling with the rotation out, Is there still a 5G play still on the table for the fourth quarter? Tony, maybe Qualcomm December 110 calls.
5: Yeah, so I absolutely think Qualcomm is a suitable stock to play for this 5G. I particularly like the December 110 calls because the stock's trading just at that 110 support level, which allows you to play for upside. But if the stock breaks below 110, you can cut your losses pretty quick.
1: Okay, time now for your final calls on a Friday. Carter, why don't you kick it off?
5: Sure. Consumer
3: staples have started to roll over. The trade is being short XLP, the Spiders.
5: Got it. Tony? I'm playing defense with industrials and mining, buying a call diagonal on Caterpillar. Yep.
1: All right, no time to get to Mike. Thank you very much. Mad with Jim starts now.